Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Never Meet Your Idols, a podcast where your idols get real, whether you like, like, it, like it or, or not. not. Here we go, episode nine, and I am not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing all the work for this one, Laura. <laughs> so what have you been up to for the last few weeks, Corinne? Well, I know why you ask, because I have started a new business with my friend Christina Masterson, and it is a business we've been developing for a year and a half, and we finally launched it a couple weeks ago. It's called Bath Cult. And it is an all-natural CBD-infused bath and skincare line. And there's some shameless self-promotion right there. Go buy it. It's, yeah, um, go buy su- it. Yeah, support your small women-founded businesses and uh, shop responsibly and sustainably this year, this holiday season. So while we're on break from the podcast, I'm going to be shipping out orders. You could find all of our stuff at shopbathcult.com. We have an Instagram, which is at shopbathcult. Yeah, you guys should go and check it out. It's amazing. I mean, I haven't tried it yet, but... They're amazing, but you haven't tried them yet. (laughs) That's how I know you're my best friend. You're like, they are amazing. (laughs) Cannot wait to try it. They do, they actually, to be fair, and I'm like, I'm really, it's hard to get me into any kind of product and say anything's amazing, but I'm pretty proud of these. There's only three things right now, but we put a lot of effort and time into it. And it's kind of, we're both Asian. So there's a lot of Asian influence and a lot of um, use of teas and um, herbs and stuff like that. So it's good. Yeah. Anyway, so there's that. This episode was brought to you by Bath Cult. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited to talk to Dave Sitek. I think we've talked about this before, how like I've never met him before, um, but he and John Congleton are the two producers that people throughout the years have been like, you really need to work with these guys. You worked with him, right? I haven't worked with him, no. Um, I'd like to work with him, but we talked about working together, numerous projects and various times. Yeah, so we're going to be talking to him in a little bit. Um, And then next episode is going to be the last one of the year before our holiday break. And we're just going to end the season, how we started it, which is just an episode with the two of us. Just the two of us. (laughs) Giving life advice, talking about our own idol experiences yeah we've gotten a lot of questions about 
our stories. So we are going to end the year um, talking about some of our personal stories with meeting people and whatever. (laughs) And whatever. Um, So submit your questions now and maybe we'll answer them. Or maybe we won't. (laughs) Knowing me, I don't know. (laughs) And then we'll be back in 2021 with a bunch of new guests. Well, I think it's time. So shall we welcome him in to our virtual meeting room? Here's your idol. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Yeah, not bad. It's kind of like late here. Well, it's not that late. It's like nine. You guys are back in lockdown, right? Yeah. It's kind of towards the end now. It's like another week of it, and then it, and then it gets a bit less lockdown-y. But, we just started yeah. a new one. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I've been it's not like a stay-at-home order, but it's a curfew, I guess. We can't go out between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Not that... Yeah. It's Weird. not like I was bar hopping anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> I've been quarantined for years. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> My lifestyle hasn't changed much at all. It's like I was always the weird guy who never left his house, and now all of a sudden I'm just like an advanced thinker. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I've always been that person who's always at home and never leaves, but now I can feel less guilty about it. Right. Now your lifestyle makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Well, hi. Nice to hi. kind of meet you. Yeah. I was hoping that there'd be an animal with you. I was hoping the screen would open and it would be a cat. That's what they're, I'm always hoping for. They're around, but I'll tell you what. Um, we probably wouldn't get anything done because they, they, they're anarchists. So, <laughs> yeah. Maybe Alex will visit. But uh, You have a cat Dean. named Alex? Yeah, and Dean. Alex yeah. and Dean. Those are some great cat names. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And then we just uh, we just rescued a kitten that um, my friend found in her back alley. Her name is uh, Zebra Cat, Bunny Rabbit, Panther. <laughs> but uh, all the other animals are, it's Dean, Alex, and then Hank and Lucy. Those are the dogs. Cute. Yeah. Yeah, I've met the dogs. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember meeting the cats, but. Yeah, they, usually, the they usually sleep in, in a studio or in on near heaters. Wherever it's warm. Hot. Yeah. So podcast, we you guys are uh, now you're famous like media stars. You're blowing up the spot. <laughs> yeah, oh, really yeah, blowing up. That's <laughs> totally awesome. blowing up. That's right. I'm glad I could be a guest. Uh, yeah, we really had to try to. We struggled to fit you into our packed schedule. I, get it. I know. I appreciate it. <laughs> Laura and I have thought about doing it for a long time, but then always had something else to do. But when quarantine happened, we were just like what better time than now it's this immersive stillness is like all kinds of un, unforeseen gifts you know what i mean i mean it definitely has some downsides for sure but i think that i think it's kind of like put everything in perspective a little bit and giving people their time back and so on i totally agree mm-hmm. it's a, definitely been a time to kind of recalibrate reprioritize yeah. refocus yeah so our first question is always the same, which is, have you ever met your idol? And tell us the story behind it. But Laura told me that you don't have an idol story, but I'm sure you have stories. So yeah, we're hoping you have some stories. We've got some stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny. Cause it's like, I think I was, I was just thinking about this before the show started and I was trying to think back of like, 
when I was starstruck and all the moments that I was starstruck are always like real goofy shit, you know, like, uh, there's this theoretical physicist named Nassim Haramein mm -hmm. and I saw him at a Whole Foods and I think what most people would do if they met like an actor or like uh, a musician or something, that feeling I had about this theoretical physicist, but I've been around so many musicians and so many actors that like it didn't even, it doesn't register. So it was like really funny. And I do, I couldn't think of any, cause it's like, you know, if it's like a celebrity or something, you walk up to him and you're like, I really liked you and so-and-so, but if you, what do you say to a theoretical physicist? I was just like, anything I say is going to sound stupid, but. <laughs> um, how have you been staying busy? What have you been working on? I guess the beginning before the quarantine happened, you know, I've been quarantined for years and I just have been working, you know, with artists here and there. But um, at, before the whole quarantine started, I was like, you know, I'm going to like probably stop working with, with bands and, and artists as much as I can and just really, you know, kind of rebuild my studio and redo things in a way that's more conducive to like making experimental stuff. So I make beats for, for other, other artists, but I, for the most part, it's mostly just been making a bunch of stuff on my own, sitting in my house, you know, being like, Oh, I wonder if I could make a nine minute song about, the world being destroyed in lavender light. <laughs> so that's basically what I've done. And then I have my other band, Neverly Boys, which is uh, me and Daniel, and, and we just yeah. write songs by accident. So, you know, he went he he went down to Texas, and then I went down there at the beginning of the lockdown. I was there for a month, and we made our second album. And then when I came back, he went to Sweden, and, and I just went back to Synthesizer Land. I was going to ask you about how you know him. He's a Swedish pop writer. You know, we were doing sessions together, and then we kept writing songs that that no pop singer could get away with singing and we were like oh maybe we don't belong in this world you know <laughs> together we keep making these songs you know that are too dark and weird and, <laughs> or, or honest for that world so we just kept piling up all these songs that were like there's no way she's gonna sing this so there's no way he's gonna sing that and then the first one we did was burn hollywood and then you know that I love I really love that song. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's such a crazy song. But we we wrote that for somebody else. Right. And then we were like, there's no way they're gonna do this. You know, then misery and then all these other songs. And we were like, there's no way any pop artist <laughs> in their right mind. But yeah, Dan, Daniel and I, so we were doing all these pop sessions and then we wound up with all these extra songs and then we decided just on a whim to like reinterpret them as like Tom Petty kind of vibes. Yeah. You know, we were like, let's because I do so much synthesizer and drum machine and programming and Daniel works in so much in that like pop vocal world. We were like, what if we strip everything down, use no synthesizers, no drum machines, no effects, no nothing. And we use a little bit of effects, but we were like, what if we do the opposite of what we do in our day job? And so then that's kind of how the sound kind of emerged from that. Looking at some of these questions that were submitted, um, we got a lot. So I thought this was really interesting. How do you feel um, being a musician and producer affects your personal relationships? Um, Laura and I talk about this to each other a lot about how our personal relationships really struggle and whether it's our romantic relationships or keeping up with friends, et cetera. And I think it's something that a lot of like people who aren't part of this industry um, don't can't relate to or don't really understand how does it how does it affect your personal life um 
I, I don't really have a personal life. I mean, you know, not to not to be smug about it, but this is what I chose to do. And it's the most important thing in my life. And so I, I gravitate towards people who I'm not the most important thing in their life. Because yeah. that's how I can relate. You know, like if I meet someone who's like, I'm going to build a suspension bridge by hand, by myself. I'm like, yeah. we're going to be friends yeah, for a long yeah. time because you're because I'm not, you know, my life is not going to wear you out and your life's not going to wear me out. Um, you know, I, I have I have a very small circle of really strong friends. And, you know, I think if your goal is is always like self-improvement and, and working on particular skill sets, it's like in in other industries you know, you can, you can do that to an extent, but then like 10 o'clock comes and they shut the office down or, or whatever. Music's not like that. It's like, it can take over and it can take over for days. Sometimes yeah. if you're in a situation where it's like, there's this thing to do and this person to meet the thing to do has to get done. The person can wait. And that a lot of people are like, not okay with that. And that's perfectly justifiable. So I try to, I try to get, I try to not start those kind of relationships. I'm like, look, you know, it's not like I'm choosing between you and music. Like yeah. I am music. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's such an in integrated part of myself. And, and yet, you know, I've sacrificed everything for this and, and yeah, and yeah. Not even for like any promise of reward. This could all fall apart tomorrow. It, it has fallen apart in a lot of respects. Um, but it's like, I can't imagine not, dropping everything to do it. You know what I mean? If you took away the free Converse and the free Levi's and the guest spots and the, you know, all the other perks. And being I'd on this podcast. Be, and being on a fancy podcast with these people. Uh, I would still do the same thing. You know I mean? I worked at, at Domino's Pizza and Olive Garden and I would just work so I could make enough money to buy pedals. And then I would go home and record all night. And then I would be late for work and I would, you know, get written up or whatever but I still kept doing it. And it was always the most important thing. Yeah. And it just like by some flaw, it worked out as a job, but you know, it didn't, I don't ever reach yeah. a point where I'm like, okay, now I can settle down. Like there is settling down and that's a personality thing. And, you know, I've been criticized for it and, and, and rightfully so, <laughs> you know, but, but right. I'm very clear about what's the most important thing to me from jump. And if you know me or meet me within 35 seconds, you'll be like, Oh, that's what he cares about. Yeah. You know, like, it, and it's not that I don't care about people. It's just that my capacity to just stop what I'm doing is not there. It's not, uh, it's not established. You know, I, I didn't let it take root. It was like, Oh, this other life that other people have. I didn't let it take root. I was just like, oh, I will live and die by the click track. So, and that's kind of what I've always wanted to do. And I've never told anyone it was any other way. So when people get mad at that or, you know, disappointed or whatever, I'm like, well, yeah, you never misled anyone. <laughs> There's no point when I was yeah. like, this is going to be the most important thing. I've had relationships. I've had successful ones, you know, that didn't last, but were yeah. great. I still get along with most of most of those people because they understand. Um, but then there's, you know, there's some that just won't. And it's like, they think that you're not choosing them. And it, that's not the case. You know, it's, it's an obsession uh, for me personally. And yeah. I think that most creative people have enough struggles trying to justify getting the thing out of them, or is it even worth being hurt? You have to go through all of these like layers of, of doubt and fear and anxiety just to get the thing done. 
that there isn't a lot of energy to deal with all the fear and anxiety and doubt of a relationship or the fear and anxiety and doubt of another imp person's ambition. So, yeah. Yeah, you're already like tapped out. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, you know, what do I know? I'm a drug addict with emotional problems. At least you're self-aware. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's easier to to find especially growing up and getting older, finding friends and kind of the ones that are are the lasting friends are the ones who understand that and don't take everything so personally where they know that it just comes with the territory of, yeah, you may go MIA for a while because yeah. you're immersed in your project or on tour or working yeah. and they don't take it so personally. I think when it comes to romantic relationships, it's a little bit. Yeah. And I, I also think that, you know, it's easier to justify as a producer than it is an artist in some respects, because you're like, I can't just drop what I'm doing, you know, to do this other thing because this person over here is talking about their feelings and I got to record them before they're on drugs or on a plane. So like it, you know, it's easier to justify, but when it's just like you sitting in a house with synthesizers and you're like, then you're just being self-centered. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is that as long as you don't market yourself as being, you know, other then there's not, then the problems, the burden's not really on you. You know, it's like, um, and that's true for anybody, you know, it's like, I, if people are, you know, if people are like coming at me with like, all you think about is what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, there's a tremendous benefit to doing that. You should try it. You know, like you'll look yeah. mastery. You won't have time for all this alcohol or all this other, you know, socializing or net Bullshit. networking yeah. garbage, you know? So. Well, I think that's the, the hard part too, though, is that, I mean, of course there's something very being an artist it is very self-involved yeah. and and my art my intention my vision yeah. everything is me 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 and there is a you know very it is self-centered yeah it's hard because i people initially may be attracted to um your drive and ambition and artistic yeah. um focus yeah. initially yeah but after a while being with you, they start to resent you for it yeah. too. And the end of my marriage, everything he hated about me was what he loved about me for, at yeah. first, you know? And then it yeah. was like, oh, I really admire and respect your ambition. And then one of the last things he said to me was, your ambition is fucking draining. How come you can't just stop, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, like they, they will eventually find someone who they can you know, it's like some people feel like they haven't accomplished anything until, yeah. they, until they can get you to give up the thing that matters. Right. Yeah. That's, like a, that's a pathology. Yes, it is mad. It's like uh, I always think that when I was growing up, that's is all I ever wanted to do is music. So like all my friends that were like, they just wanted to like hang out, have a normal time. And people that I started bands with, they just wanted to just do like normal teenage stuff but I was like no like from early on I've always had that thing but it's caused so many like problems in my life like becomes it's I mean almost survivalism it feels like you know it's like it's it's not just a choice really it is a need and it's so integrated with yeah identity and survival and I think there is a balance that I haven't figured out but I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, who, who, who knows if there is a balance, who knows if like, if, if you're ever afforded that. And, and, you know, I think that with music before, you know, and I'll say before the internet, like you could kind of just like make a song and you could, 
put the song out and then you can go on tour and then everything kind of stops for a cycle and then you can like re-engage with your friends in real life. But now the prize has shrunk so much that the desperation has driven this other part of it where it's like, you have to be available at all times. You have to engage in social media. You have to do all these other things. But all that time that you used to have, which was already smaller, you know, for yourself, you now have to share it with everybody else, you know, or, or, and there's, there is legitimate evidence that if you don't, you, you won't succeed, you know what I mean? Or you won't make it. So it's like, so this little bit of time that you have left, I mean, I think for me, it was really because, you know, I was working, I worked seven days a week, 16 hours a day, the entire time I was in New York. I think I had, I took one vacation in 11 years and that was for 10, 10 days. It was supposed to be for two weeks, but I couldn't deal with it. So I went back to work and then it was just like, I was constantly just doing yeah. things, doing things, doing things, doing things. And then if I ever did get a tiny little bit of time to myself, the last thing I wanted to do was be around yeah. people. Cause it was like, my whole job was like, let me suppress my own feelings so that I can get this job done with this idiot, you know, not an idiot, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so I became really a fierce defender yeah. of my own personal time. And then, you know, I, I, I chased yeah. all kinds of friendships and relationships away. I was like, stand back, <laughs> you know, like don't have, don't got no time for that, you know? So, but, but I think that that's the thing yeah. is that now you're forced to like share everything and you have to be on social media and you have to be connected and, and all for, for records that don't sell anymore. So it's kind of like we've entered this era of non-compliance, right? So that in the sense that it used to be you played the game and you sold the records and then you sold the records and you made the money and then you made the money and you bought the house and then you lived your life. But now records don't sell. So you're making all of these sacrifices for a prize that has shrunk considerably. And then you have to make more sacrifices to keep the machinery going. <laughs> you have more personal sacrifices and expose more of your personal self. Yeah. So to me, the only tragedy here is that people are still trying to make like hits because it's like, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you should make whatever the fuck you want to make because honestly, you know, unless you get, 30 million plays on Spotify exactly. you probably won't make your car payment. So it's like, if your, if your goal is to just make a car payment, then music is not the, the route. I think the things that do the best right now are the things that don't sound like something else. It's the, it's the ability to rec recognize that fine line between successful and great. Like if you don't mistake those two, then you're in good shape. You know what I mean? Like I've heard stuff that sounds successful that is clearly not great, but you know, over the last like 10 years, I think that that ripping people off thing has gotten much worse. You know, I mean, when Royals came out, every single female artist that managers wanted me to work with, they wanted to make a Royals. Then, it, you know, at first it was video games, then it was Royals. Then it's like a Billie Eilish song. And then it's what, whatever. And it's like, you have a really creative person with a really incredible voice and you're trying to encourage them to sing with a teenage goat voice over some like trap hat and, you know, weird beat. And number one, the beat's not weird. I know weird. This ain't it. You know, number two, the teenage goat voice is annoying. <laughs> and number three, there's already 15 teenage goats singing like, I don't like your dog. And it's like, you need another one of those. You know? I know that you're saying that you don't want to work really with bands and stuff like that, but is there anyone that you always wanted to work with that you never got to or anyone now that you would like to work with? Well, Jay Dilla, but I don't even want to work with him. I just wanted to sit in a room and watch him work because he's my Jimi Hendrix. Um, I think that 
Jay Dilla transformed what samplers and in particular the MPC, but, but electronic music in general was capable of. It was like emotional and unpredictable and it wasn't necessarily lined up. I think he, he was, he was like the transition period for me. I was just like, Oh, drum machines are one way. Oh no, they're not. <laughs> like I have clearly overlooked all of this other stuff, but that's the only person who I, I regret just not, not regret because I didn't have an opportunity to meet him, but that's the one person that, that I always think about, you know, like what a transformative uh, influence he was for me. And that, and, and, and as far as the rest of it, I, I've been really lucky. I've gotten to work with like some of the most amazing fucking people. So even my list that I would come up with would probably, you know, compare into the comparison of people I've already gotten to work with. So, you know, I've been really blessed in that respect. So on that note, who has there been something that the project that's been super challenging that stands out as and then you finished it and you were really proud of it, but it was a really challenging experience. We we talked to John Congleton a couple of weeks ago and I'm a huge Swans fan. So we talked about how challenging it was <laughs> to make yeah. a record with Michael Jr. You know? yeah. Like, do you have a standout um experience like that everything's really challenging for different reasons like there's different kinds of challenges you know sometimes you're working with a drug drug addict i won't get into those stories because i won't don't want to throw anyone under the bus but but i think there's ones that are just like expectations of everyone around and and i think that um you know it's like when you're working with someone who has had success prior to working with me i'm i'm the monkey wrench in the system and i try to explain that time and time again. I'm like, you're already on a successful trajectory. Don't work with me. I'll just fuck it up because I, I don't want, I don't want to make what you made before. You shouldn't want to make what you made before, but that's on you. But, but if there's a lot of resistance from the management and the labels and all that to like make another blank record, um, I try to stay away from those records. And I inadvertently and accidentally wind up in them because people are like, no, we want to take chances. We want to take those risks and people don't understand that like, that's a huge risk for their career trajectory. That's happened a lot of times, but then you have artists who really stand by you and stand by themselves more importantly. And they're like, yeah, I really want to do this. I think, I think Khalees was probably the biggest one because she had already had a successful career. She had already done all of these things that had worked and she always took chances and did something totally different. Yeah. So when she was like, I don't want to use any drum machines or any synthesizers or any electronics or whatever, I was like, okay, let's get a 13 piece band together and let's make like a Donny Hathaway, Roberta Flack record. But then it's like, we succeeded and then it got into the label's hands and then it was like, uh, you know, like, <laughs> You know, it's funny, music, it used to reward risk. It was like the biggest, you know, it was the biggest like risk engine in the entertainment field. But, you know, now it's just not. And so it's like, I have to seek risks other places, like buying motorcycles and speeding through the canyons. Cause it's like, yeah. I really like, I like that I could lose it all. I like that it's all gonna, you know, like this could all go haywire at any moment or I could fly off this cliff and music should, because the price rank and no one can bribe the artists anymore. Music should be super fucking wild right now. And it is in some respects, but, but it's like, it's, you know, I think that that's the part about it that like I miss the most is that like, like the chances of a real breakthrough record, you know, are so slim now because it's like, it's got to get past all these like 
investors, you know, and it's like no one who runs a label actually can do anything because their back's up against the wall. It's like the, 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 the burden is on, on artists to push the envelope and, and create things that they may not financially get rewarded for, but that's not really what you're in it for. Honestly. I mean, it sucks to be in, it sucks to be in dire straits and it sucks to be at the pawn shop with your 63 P base. But at the same time, it's the price you got to pay to be in this game. And the thing is that like, it's really difficult. And I think a lot of people who are like fun outside, who have outside funding, make music that no one can relate yeah. to, you know, yeah. but it's like the people who are like living and dying by the sword. And those are the ones who are telling the story that people relate to. And so I think that this era of non, non-compliance, we're at that COVID kind of leveled everything. It's like nobody's making any money. Nobody's even able to tour. No one's able to do anything. So you really have to like look inside and be like, what is it that I'm trying to do? Like, what is the thing I'm trying to get out? So Neverly Boys, me and Daniel are both accomplished songwriters. You know, that record came and went and it's like, you know, by numeric standards is invisible. I don't even know how many plays we have, probably like a hundred, but that doesn't matter. Like our, we're going to be judged by our body of work. And so it's like, as soon as we finished the record, we started another one. And as soon as you finish your, you know, as soon as you finish something, just start another thing. And like the anxiety level of trying to get something done should never change in your life. If you're worth your creative salt, you know what I mean? Like, it's like when people are like, Oh, I'm so glad I finished my album. I'm like, okay, now you're match fit. Get to the second record. Let's start right now. And they're like, I can't even enjoy myself. I'm like, yeah, if you want to be a craftsperson, but if you want to be an artist, you got to like get back in there and start cutting things up and and messing things up again. The vehicle has not emerged for people who are doing really creative, amazing weirdo shit to reach the masses yet. But I don't underestimate the power of people like us and, and people who who don't make music that just really wants something new and weird and strange. And I think that someone who doesn't make music who wants that is going to figure out a way or a platform to get, to be like, you know, to start like where, you know, the, when the Charlatans UK came out or Stone Roses or whatever, there was this thing going on and, and someone recognized it and they took drug money and they threw it into this, you know, this music pool. I think that'll happen again. I mean, I hope it'll be like a weed company or something, but I have more faith in it in a weed investor or something like that than I do any of the established garbage, you know? So yeah, I'll probably take a couple generations maybe of, or hopefully not a couple generations, but it's going to take some artists like us just kind of uh, slogging through and just doing it for the sake of art and pushing the boundaries. Um, So that hopefully in the future there, there can be more people who can do it and make money with it again. But you've always been doing that. You yeah. know what I mean? No like, matter what, that's just that, how it is. Yeah, and, and it's been that way. I mean, I came up in hardcore music. So the idea that anyone would even know my name or that I would even sell a record was hilarious. Yeah, it me. wasn't even you know, on like, your radar. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, it won't work out. It's like, you just, it's just that once it does work out and you play like Reading and Leeds or whatever, you have this expectation that it's going to stay at that level mm-hmm. or increase. You had no ex- you had no expectation that it was going to totally bottom out and that everyone was going to bail and that people will stop buying music and that Spotify will get all the money and like you didn't anticipate that but but if you separate that yeah. part of it and go back to the impetus of what your yeah. idea of being creative is you're not in any danger right 
It's yeah. like, if you took away all the, that stuff, yeah. would you still make music in your room by yourself because you loved it? And if the answer is yes, then you're not in danger, you know? And, yeah. and I think that it may be discouraging to be making really weird stuff and not having an audience for it. But really, you got good at what you did without an audience. You know what I mean? In fact, yeah, once, the audience came into the, once the audience came into the equation, then all of a sudden expectations come into the equation and, and you start this duality of like, I know that I like this, but will they like it? And once you start doing that kind of stuff, that's a slippery slope. So I think that like what this whole industry f abject failure has created is why am I doing it in the first place? Oh, it's got to speak to me because ultimately, you know, most of the artists that I know who seem very self-absorbed on the front, they're not writing that song so that you know who they are. They're writing that song so that one person somewhere won't feel alone. Yeah. Totally. Like, I understand that message sent message received. That's the success. The success story begins and ends with that. I always remember when I was at your house and you were telling me the story about um, when you were making the first Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's record and you were making the song Maps and you kind of, once you'd heard it back, you realized like, yeah. this is a huge, this is a special song. This is going to be a big song, even though it was like a super yeah. vulnerable song. Um, but have you had those moments with other artists or is it like, do you, do you have a feeling when that's going to happen? Well, I don't know what the world's going to do. If, if I've learned anything from 2020, I'm a shitty psychic. But if I hear something that's like wildly honest, I'm really sensitive to like in, intent, you know, and, and, yeah. and energy. Okay. So, so with maps, it was like, Karen and I were in the room. Like, so I had recorded some backwards guitars and I flipped the reels around and it was the first time and it was just me and Karen. It was the first time we heard all the parts put together, like the backwards track, the slowed down, the sped up, the vocals and everything. And it was just the two of us in the studio and I hit play. And as soon as I stopped it, it was like, it took over our whole body. Like, like I had goosebumps, the whole thing. It was like, this is so fucking unreal. I think sincerity is the, is the real currency of music. I think that like music at its heart, I think sincerity is the absolute most valuable currency. And that song was so sincere and, and so tender and so real. And like, you know, we had been doing all the punk stuff and she'd been screaming and that we had effects and reverbs and all that stuff. But on that one, so Karen and I have had a, a lifelong battle about me not letting her use effects on her voice. Cause I'm always just like, your voice so good like that. Don't mess it up with all this. Because the human voice is the most immediately perceivable instrument. It's the most immediately identifiable instrument. So I want to have as few barriers in the way of that as I can, especially on a song that's really sincere and tender. So in Maps, I had her right up on the microphone, no effects, and the vocals were like right there, like in your ear, and you couldn't avoid it. And I remember being like, this is the one. So then, you know, the record comes out, the label puts out like Date With The Night, then they put out Y Control and they put out all this stuff. I said, the thing that's really gonna fuck people up is if you put out the thing that they don't know about Karen, you know? And so no one listened to me. And then finally they put out Maps. And so when the record came out, you know, it did pretty well, it was going like this, but then Maps came out and it went like that. And Karen and I both knew, we were like, we knew that that song was the one that was going to do that. We love the other songs, but we know like that right there. And so I didn't know how big it would reach. I didn't know that years later we'd be on a stage in Brazil and watching 35,000 Brazilians yeah, singing yeah. 
they don't love you like I love you, but it was like you knew that that was in the lexicon. Um, on that note, it's now time for the rants and rave section. Oh man, I, my whole life is a rant. I I will say that of all the things, I I love this immersive stillness. I even like the fact that it's made some of my friends uncomfortable where they don't know what to do with themselves. I think that it's good to not know. I think it's good to, to stare into the abyss is a good thing right now. And the, the unknown means that there's no limit to what's possible because you can't imagine it. You know what I mean? And so to me, like the lesson that we've learned from, from this hopefully will be that like, there are things within us that we haven't given voice to that maybe are important at, at this point. And I think that getting out of the rat race or being forced out of the rat race makes some people realize I'm not a rat, you know, like, <laughs> or if I am a rat, I'm a definitely in a different direction, not a racing rat. I'm more like a couch rat or whatever. But, um, but I think that the artists, the artists are going to, are going to document this time. They're going to make people realize that they didn't go through all this for naught. You know, there'll be visionaries like out of this whole thing. There are post quarantine. People are really going to examine what they learned out of all this. I look forward to that. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Dave. Um, it was great to see you. Yeah, you too. All right. Yeah. All right. Take Thanks care. Take Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Never Meet Your Idols. Join us next time when we welcome ourselves. To submit questions for us or our guests, email us at nevermeetyouridols at gmail.com. Or send us a message or voice memo on Instagram at nevermeetyouridolspodcast. Until next time, I'm Karay. And I'm Laura Mary. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.